<laughs> I'm working on it right now. I'm on the number seven. <laughs> oh, God is so faithful. God is so good. I was back there trying not to cry, and people were coming by sharing testimonies. Nobody goes, stop. I got to go out there. Uh, but I do want to say thank you so much, everybody who brought stuff for my moms. Um, I talked with her last night, and very, it's very rarely do I hear my mom speechless. Of course, that's not real because you can't hear her speechless, but she, I could tell she had been crying. I could tell that she was just, because my mom has a tendency at the end of the day to count her blessings. And they had been many. And I'm so grateful and I appreciate it more than you know. And I know that she does too. Let's get into the word. <laughs> uh, can we stand? <clears throat> We're only going to do the first two passages. We won't do the third one this time. Okay. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Father, I thank you. Father, I am just humbled by the greatness of your word this morning. And Father, what I'm asking today is that in this room there would be a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. And Father, I pray that you would be their revelation today, God. I pray that the Father would reveal the Son today in our hearts. And Father, that we would come to know him like you know him. Father, I pray that you just... Send your Holy Spirit to invade this space today. God, we give it up. Every barrier, every obstacle, we lay it down. And Father, we come full-faced into your presence and encounter you through your word. Let my stuff fall in your stand. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, hmm. Ready to even start. Um, I'm supposed to be teaching from Hebrews this morning, and I am kind of. Um, I am. It really is the base for where I, where I began my studies. But as I began to study this passage of scripture that we just read, um, I just I felt like um, 
the best way I can describe it is like these tiny little explosions that just happen in your spirit and you get distracted because of the greatness of it. And I got to, to looking at that passage of scripture and, and it just kind of went something like this. I was in my office and, and I was just thinking, okay, he is the radiance of God. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. Oh my goodness, the sun is the radiance of God's glory. And my spirit would shout, yes, and amen. And I would just step back for a minute. And then I would look and it would go, through him he created the universe. Through him, the universe was created. What? Through him, the universe is created. And I have these conversations. I would so love to be outside my office sometime <laughs> and listen. But, um, but I'm like, yes. Amen. Yes, God. And the more I would read this passage of scripture over and over, the bigger it got in my spirit. Just huge in my spirit to the point that I just stood back and I went, God, I can't teach this. God, this is too big for me. This, this passage of scripture, the whole book of Hebrews, is just way beyond me. And, and just the more I thought about how huge this is, and this Jesus, Jesus. See, we have this tendency in the church to, to paint Jesus with a sacrificial brush. And somehow the image of Jesus Christ has become one with the sacrifice, which it was, but we limit it to that. Instead of understanding the breadth of who he is, the strength that he carried, the hugeness of him. And I got to thinking about that. And then I hit the Colossians verse and it says, the sun is the image of the invisible God. Think about that one for a little too long. The sun is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation, in him all things were created. Think about that part. It doesn't say by him all things were created. In him, he thought it first. He saw it first. In him, all things were created. Things in heaven and things on earth. Things that are visible and the invisible. Whether thrones... Jesus, help us, whether thrones or powers or majesty, powers, rulers, authority, all things were created through him and for him. Think about that one for just a minute. All things were created through him and for him. It's going through him and it's coming back. You understand that one? It's all going back to him one day. Created through him and for him. It doesn't say he was before all things. It says he is before all things and then my favorite of all and in him all things are held together oh my goodness oh my goodness that just began to, to pulse through my spirit and when it did I couldn't stand up in front of it you ever encountered the word of God in such a way that your knees buckle before you know they're getting ready to the power of his word the hugeness of who Jesus Christ is and I just thought, you know, God, 
all of this is going on in my spirit and what began to rise up in me. I was sharing, it just feels like a river that's starting to crest and you can feel it rising and you know it's getting ready to, to hit the banks and come across the shoreline. And all I could hear was, or all I could think was, I cannot let a year, this whole year has been dedicated to telling you about Jesus. This whole year, the theme has been Jesus Christ. And we've told you what God says about him. We've told you what the apostles thought of him. We've told you things in his own words. And I just kept thinking, I can't let a year go by without telling them who he is to me. I can't yet let another year go by talking about him because this is like you're talking about my best friend. It's like getting to introduce your best friend getting to introduce and tell people things about them. But, but see, I know that you know him too. So my prayer is that as I share, you'll go, oh, that's who I know him as. That's where I've met him. And so what I want to do today is just share a little bit with you about my testimony. And I know you've heard bits and pieces of it, and, and if you get bored, I'm going to pray for you. But... <laughs> But I just want to share who he is. I cannot, honestly, my vocabulary is not great enough to be able to tell you about the hugeness of this Jesus, the power of this Jesus, the beauty of this Jesus. I can't, I can't wrap that in words. I can't write that poem. I can't write that song. I, I can't do it justice. But what I can do is tell you who he's been to me. And one thing that I can tell you is at every single stage of my life, Every single stage of my life, he has been absolutely everything that I have needed. Everything. He has met me where I am every single time. First Corinthians says, when I was a child, I thought as a child. And um, it goes on to talk about putting away childish ways. You know, there are some of my ways that I haven't put aside. And this is not the time to amen. Um, but as a child... As a child, I absolutely loved Jesus. Didn't like God much and was scared to death of the Holy Spirit because God, I felt like, was ready to stomp me if I messed up, and I messed up a lot. And the Holy Spirit made people do strange things in the altars of my church. And those of you who have been to my mother's this past weekend can say amen and oh my. And I didn't understand it. But Jesus, Jesus I understood. Jesus I loved. Jesus was awesome. He was the nice one of the Trinity. <laughs> and I loved him, this felt board Jesus. See, Jesus loved animals. You could see it in all the pictures. I loved animals. Jesus loved children. I was a child. We got along great. And he was awesome. He was so present in my life. He was as real to me as you are to me. More so. And I can remember as a child, I had three sisters at that time. Those of you who went this past weekend met Melody. And she didn't come along until I was 14 or 15 years old. And, but as a child, I had two older sisters, Terry and Cindy. And they were six years, about six years older than I was. And... Um, Therefore, I was an embarrassment because <laughs> that is a prerequisite. If you're a teen and you have a, a younger sibling, they just embarrass you. And, um, and then Angie was about a year and a half younger than I was, and she was a girl girl. 
And so I spent a lot of time alone. Terry and Cindy weren't going to go play in the woods with me, and Angie was not going to go outside. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so Jesus became my companion. He became the one that hung out with me. Um, and he was so real to me because I, I just always felt like he loved me. And so when I would play in the woods, he would go in the woods with me. And, um, and I never got lost in the woods because he always knew where we were. And, and so I would spend time with him and, and got to know him as a child. And in all honesty, I don't know that I ever prayed to God as a child because I was so scared of God. And so I would talk to Jesus about what was ever was going on because in my child's understanding, I knew that Jesus would go and talk to God about it. <laughs> it still works, by the way. Um, but um, I, would, I would talk to Jesus, and when I would mess up, I would go and I would share it with him, trusting that he would make it sound good to the Father, that he would explain why I did what I did. And kind of like the time um, that I, I think I joined a cult. But... It was just, it was a small cult. It was just me in it. And uh, <laughs> so at least I didn't lead anyone else to sin. Um, but in the woods near our house were Indian mounds, or we all, we'd always been told that they were Indian burial mounds. And one day I just happened to be out in the woods dancing on the burial mounds, singing Apache war songs like everyone does. <laughs> Oh, you think you'd never do that? I think I just saw some of that a little bit earlier. <laughs> but I, I had such a good time, and I, but I got home that night, and in my confusion and in my childish mind, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I think I just broke some commandments. I'm pretty sure I just worshipped another god. I'm not really sure what I was saying when I was chanting, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, would you please go and tell your father that I would still like to be a Christian? And whatever it was I said, I didn't mean it, you know. But that was just kind of how we conversed. And, and then, you know, when I would walk through the woods, he would walk with me. When I would wade in the creek, he would walk on top of it. And, <laughs> and I'd be like, you are such a show-off. And... Uh, but that was just kind of how, that was how we lived. That was my relationship with him. And um, I, there were so many things that I loved to do with Jesus. There was a dogwood tree right outside our kitchen door, um, a little dogwood tree. And as a child, my mom had shown me the legend of the dogwood. And I can remember standing out there with her in that. And so that dogwood tree, I decided Jesus just loves dogwood trees because it's about him. And so he and I would meet at the dogwood tree and I would go sit when I was upset or I was angry or I felt alone. I would go and I would meet with him at the dogwood tree. And I wonder today if the little girl who lives in that house knows about the dogwood tree. I think about that. One of the other things, when I was a child, my home burned down. We lost everything, and uh, I mean, just everything was gone. And so one of the things that I loved to do with Jesus was talk about my room in his mansion <laughs> because I had lost everything. And so he and I would talk about the mansion, and, and I knew it was a room in his mansion because I was a child and not old enough to be an actual homeowner yet. And so I was very content with that, and I could picture it. 
In that room, in that mansion, was everything that I had lost. Everything. And as a child, I saw my stuffed animals and I saw my dolls and, you know, the things that I loved. And I was pretty sure there was a roller coaster in there because my mom said, everything you love is in heaven. So pretty sure there was a roller coaster. But that was one of our favorite things to do, my favorite things to do when I didn't have a home. Um, when I didn't have a home, my favorite thing to do was to talk to him about that home. And I could so see it in my spirit because he talked with me and he walked with me. He was a part of every day of my life. Then I became a, um, a young, as a young teen, I came to know him in a little bit of a different way. See, that's the thing about God, this thing about Jesus is he's everything you need where you are and becomes everything you need where you're going. He's so faithful and his revelation is consistent with your need. His revelation of who he is unfolds to the degree that you can stand it and to the degree that you need it in that moment. And that's how God has been with me when I was a young teen, very young teen. A lot of you know that story, like from the age of 10 into my early teens, that we were... We pastored, my mom and dad pastored a church. Um, my father had an affair, and he left us. Um, and so we lost our church. We lost our home, uh, because back then, laws were not enforced. <laughs> you know, that whole child support thing wasn't, su it wasn't supported and, and enforced like it is. We lost our home. And in losing your church, when you've been a pastor, you lose your world, you lose your community. It's the people that you hang with, that you roll with. And I can remember, because at that point in time, I was sleeping on my grandmother's kitchen floor, and I was thinking, um, I can remember going into this spiral. I could just feel like there wasn't anywhere to grab hold. You know, the home was gone. The father was gone. The uh, relationships that I had been in were gone. Everything just felt like I didn't know where to plant my feet. I didn't know where to grab onto, and somewhere in the middle of that spin I grabbed hold of the only thing that I knew was solid, and that was Jesus. And I grabbed hold of him with such a fervor. <laughs> I grabbed hold of him. He became everything to me. I thought he was everything before, but now I was broken. Now I needed healing. This period in my life reminds me so much when Katie was about three years old. When she was about three years old, Hal and I were in the bedroom and Katie was in the bathroom just off of our bedroom and and we were talking and we heard this crash and we, uh, we looked to the left and Katie had pushed herself up on the kitchen on the bathroom counter and when she did the weight of her upper body sent her forward into a glass and that glass shattered and it just laid her her forehead open down to the bone and I remember running to her and I remember taking my hand, scooping her up, and closing that wound. Putting my hand against that wound, closing that wound, and holding her as tightly to me as I can the whole time, going, it's okay, baby. It's okay. Oh, it's going to be fine. It's just, there's just a little blood. All the way, feeling like I could not breathe, driving to the hospital, them laying her out on that little gurney and strapping her in, and I'm in her face like this, going, it's going to be fine, baby. It's going to be fine. It's going to be good. And I would not remove my hand until the doctor came. And see, my whole life, especially that period in my life, I felt like Jesus grabbed hold of me. Yeah. 
I feel like the gaping wound that was my life. I feel like Jesus grabbed hold of me in that time, and he didn't let go. He didn't let go. And the whole time I'm falling apart, he's going, it's okay. It's okay, baby. (laughs) It's going to be all right. This ain't nothing. It's going to be fine. We're going to get... And the whole time, the difference is, is after they had stitched Katie up and I'm sitting on that stool, I just remember going, somebody going, Mom, Mom, somebody get Mom. (laughs) Because I couldn't handle the pressure. God can handle the pressure. God is so faithful. And he held me together. He held me together. I remember specifically during that period that was the first time I remember him giving me dreams. And he would give me these dreams, and in those dreams, we would walk by the water. We would walk by the water, and he would, oh, Jesus. He would comfort me, and the scriptures would roll through my spirit. You lead me beside still waters. You cause me to lie down in green pastures. And I knew the shepherd during that season of my life. He was so faithful. And he began to heal me and he began to deliver me from those wounds, those things that had come against me. He began to do a miraculous work in me. And in him, I became whole. But sometimes the most dangerous thing that you can encounter is your own healing. Sometimes the most dangerous thing is your deliverance. Because we have this tendency when we're in a broken place to cry out to God. We have this tendency when we have need of him to press into him. And and absolutely every day I was calling on Jesus. Every day I was like, you've got to help me. God, you've got to help me. Well, something happens when you get healed if you forget. Sometimes when you're not having to cry out from a desperate place all the time, you forget who brought you out. You forget what Jesus has done for you. And that's exactly what happened to me. And it is the most stupid thing in retrospect. I'm thinking, how can you turn away from someone who has proven themselves over and over and over to you? But we do it all the time. But you know what? Just like when my children fail or they fall, I'm not leaving them. I'm not turning my back on them. I'm going to draw in closer. So this time, I went through a period in my late teens where I just kind of, I had a a, a painful experience uh, happen. And this time, when I went into a spin, this time, when I went into a spin, see, when I started getting healed, I started getting more friends. Because when I was broken, I kind of hid and I stayed back. So it was very easy for me and Jesus to stay close. When I started getting healed and being like more of a normal person, (laughs) I had more friends, not necessarily good friends. And so this time when I went into into a spin, instead of reaching for Jesus, I reached for my friends. And so what I grabbed hold of in them, I grabbed hold of their lifestyles. I grabbed hold of their habits. I grabbed hold of their bondages. All of those things. It's like all of this this deep soul peace that I had had in my life, I traded it for the most miserable restlessness. Just 
How, how, how we do this, I don't know. How we have the saving knowledge of Christ, how we have this image, this impression of him on the inside of who we are and then somehow choose to live a life that pretends he doesn't exist. I don't understand it. I did it and I don't understand it. It breaks my heart that I did it, knowing how faithful that he has been to me. But I was a mess for years. For years. I know that shocks so many of you. <laughs> because you get this image of somebody who's, who's you know, if, if somebody's a pastor, you think, well, they must have done. <laughs> it is by pure grace. Pure grace. Grace alone. That, you know, I'm still walking upright. Seriously. But uh, for many years, I just stumbled in mess. Messed in sin everything to try and fill that void because my friend, I couldn't sense his presence anymore. I couldn't feel his drawing anymore. And what's funny is that I didn't come out of that behavioral spin until I found out Hal and I had been married about two and a half months and I found out I was pregnant with Aaron. And on the drive from Cofield to Oak Ridge, 15-minute drive, everything changed. In that moment, I, I don't think I've ever truly understood the power of a seed before that moment because everything about my behavior changed in that 15-minute span because it was no longer about me. I wanted to be healthy. I wanted to be whole because of Aaron. I wanted to be able to carry that baby and that baby be healthy. So I started going through the motions of doing what was right. I started going through the motions of doing what was expected and I stopped the things that I needed to stop. And, but my heart, though my behaviors changed, it was a constant effort because my heart had not changed. My heart hadn't changed. And, I, and, and it, it, it's long and it's involved and I'm not going to go into it. But let me tell you how he brought me back. Because that's what matters, isn't it? It doesn't matter. All of that doesn't matter. What matters is that all the time, all of my mess, all of those years, he was there. All of those years, he was waiting. And so I sat down at the piano one day at our house, and Aaron was running around playing, and I sat down at the piano, and I just, you know, if you play an instrument, you don't have to actually be playing anything. You just play. You just mess. And, and I was sitting there, and and I had been avoiding the Spirit of God as much as possible, even though God had been bringing people into our life that were consistently smelled like God, if you know what I mean. <laughs> like, oh, not her again. But uh, so that fragrance of God, when God gets ready to save you, some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about, messes up your whole life. It's like you start trying to avoid the people that smell like God. And, and so I had been trying to do that, and... Um, but there's something about fragrance you can't stop. You know, sometimes you leave a room and the fragrance still lingers, still lingers. And no matter how fast you run in circles, it's still there. You know, <laughs> you can't outrun fragrance. I mean, anyway, I found it amusing. But uh, I was sitting at the piano and I was just playing, just playing. And all of a sudden this image began to run through my mind. And it was so clear because I was asking this question. I wonder, I just, I wonder what would happen 
if I went back. I wonder what would happen if I tried to go back to him. And I could remember in my mind, I could see it so clearly. I could see it playing out so clearly. I was walking up this drive toward his house, towards God's house. And I can remember just kind of pausing and trying to get the courage up to knock on the door. And in my mind's eye, I stepped forward and I knocked once. And when I knocked once, the doors just opened. And I started trying to tell him I was sorry. I started trying to say, I'm so sorry I did that. And he just stepped back and he brought me in. And I was content to just be in that place with him. I was just so content to be there with him. And then I just thought, when I stepped in, I thought about that room that me and Jesus used to talk about. And I remember thinking, surely it's not there anymore. And then like that, I was standing in it. And he said, it's exactly the same. But the difference was before, when Jesus and I would talk about that room, everything I had lost was in it. And so there were these toys and these things. But this time, when I stood in that room, everything I had lost was in it. My peace, my joy, my relationship, everything, everything was in there. He said, you're going to find it's just the same. It's everything that you need. And I just remember saying, God, I am so sorry that I left you. And him going, none of that matters. What matters is that you're here now. What matters is that you are here now. Uh, I'm going to get the magicians up here. (laughs) The musicians. (laughs) Well, they can be sometimes if you think about it. You come in and you're miserable and you leave happy. But here's the thing. Through every single stage, even my rebellious areas, he never changed. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, the beauty of it. I love my husband. He and I have been together almost 30 years now. There is not a better man on the planet. I love him I can't even describe to you how much I love him. He is great love. But he's not my greatest love. Because only Jesus holds that place in my life. He was with me the moment I took my first breath on this planet. He has been with me every single day of my life and he will be with me the moment that I breathe my last breath and step over into my room. (laughs) He is so faithful that way. So 
faithful that way. Now I want you to hear this with your spirit. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. In him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, things that are visible and invisible, mm. whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All were created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him, all things are held together. Amen. Thank you so much, Jesus. And so here, if you will allow, I want us to do, I, God, I look to you. Would y'all stand with me for just a minute? And in my heart, there's an altar call, but it's for all of you. Those who have longed for a relationship, those who have wandered away, those who have longed for intimacy with him, those who have longed for just the time, the, the kindness of his presence. And so these chairs sometimes become barriers and we kind of hide behind them even though they're short. So what I would like to do is open the altar and everybody that will, let's come and we're going to worship. We are going to worship him. And as we do, if you need to renew a relationship, revive something, I'm asking that God release you. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you draw all men this morning, Father. I ask, Lord, for a release of your presence that allows us to step deeper into you. May the fragrance of God fill this place, God. And may we encounter you in Jesus' name. God, I look to you, and I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision, yes, God, yes, God, to see. 